Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. How good has it been in the house of God? Start of the year. Can you do me a favour? Don't make the start of the year habit stay just the start of the year habit. Don't just make it, oh, I'm going to turn up, just live my New Year's resolutions for a month. Let the great blessing of being planted in the house of God flourish over your life right through this year. As God just does great stuff, make sure that it's not just the start of the year habit, but it continues to flow all the way through this year uh, with great blessing. That would be just amazing. I want to just continue a message on from a couple of weeks ago. I was talking about uh, that destiny area of our life and God releasing us into destiny. I want to continue on also speaking through uh, this this, uh, concept that we see uh, powerfully outworked uh, in the book uh, of Numbers and Exodus, because we see the Exodus of the children of Israel as they're heading into the promised land. My message today is entitled this, Destiny Detour. Destiny Detour. A couple of years ago, uh, I was out spearfishing in my boat, actually a number of years ago, uh, in an old boat that I used to have. And I'd actually had uh, a few things done and repaired on this boat. It's a fiberglass boat. So I, I took it to a fiberglass repairer. And I got him to take the floor out, and I got him to fix the main structural uh, part of the boat that's called the stringers. It's the main structural part that stops the boat from breaking up and falling apart. And I got him to fix the stringers, put new stringers in. I got him to put a new floor in the boat so that my boat wasn't going to break apart uh, when I would go out spearfishing in it. Now, this day we're out diving, and we're about 100 kilometers offshore. Now... 100 kilometers offshore for all of those that are scared of the water is a scary thing because you can't see land in any direction. And I noticed that when I went to accelerate my boat, it was going a little slow. And I also noticed that I had to keep turning the bilge on to pump water out of my boat because it seemed like the water was getting in my boat really fast. And, and uh, the next time I jumped in the water, the next spot, I thought I'd just have a look underneath the boat to see if there was any cracks possibly in the hull. And I noticed there was a crack about this long running down one of the chimes of my boat, and it was so big that I could actually stick my finger in it. Now, when you're a kilometer offshore, a crack that big is a bad thing. When you're 100 kilometers offshore, that's a really, really bad thing. So from that point, we decided, lesson, let's just jump in the boat and let's go home. So we headed home. Uh, when I got home, I put the boat up on the trailer. I pulled the bungs out of the back of the boat, and it drained out for about 10 minutes, which means there was a lot and lot of water in the boat. Now, I'd got the boat repaired and I was wondering what was actually the problem. So I thought instead of taking it to the fiberglasser that fixed it the first time six months ago, I'd take it to a new one. You know, I took it to that new fiberglasser and he had a look at the crack. He's like, that's a bad crack. And he made this statement to me. He said, that crack's not the problem. He said, there's obviously a bigger problem in this boat that's making that crack happen. So he got a a grinder out and started cutting into the bottom of the boat. Listen, when you own a boat, that's a scary thing. Uh, all boat owners say this boat stands for bring out another thousand because that's what happens when you own a boat. You're just putting money into it all the time. So he cuts a hole in the bottom of the hull. Next, he had to start to cut from that hole in the bottom of the hole where the crack was into the stringers. And he started cutting deeper and deeper and deeper until he finally got to the middle of the stringers and found this. The person I paid six months ago to cut out and replace my stringers didn't cut them out and replace them. All he did was fiberglass over what was already rotten timber. 
Now, he had to dig and dig and dig to find the problem. You know, sometimes in our life, we look at an outward issue and we try and just fix outward issues in our life. But we really sometimes need to dig to the center of the challenges in our world to find what's really the problem. The children of Israel, if you read through Numbers chapter 13 and 14, get to the edge of the promised land. Listen, 430 years, 40, uh, sorry, 10 generations of, of people in slavery and in bondage and in brokenness told that God has got a blessing for them, God has got a promise for them, God has got a hope for them. And we get to Numbers 13 and 14, and the children of Israel stand on the edge of their promise, on the edge of their blessing, and the Bible tells us that they turn around and they return to the wilderness for 40 years. Now, I look across this room, and I know some of you really, really well. And I know some of you are hideously impatient. And you couldn't imagine standing on the edge of 400 years of promise and turning around and going somewhere else. I've driven with some of you. I know that when you have to wait for somebody at a set of lights because the light changes and goes green, you're sitting there for two milliseconds and you're honking your horn because you're that impatient. The children of Israel waited 400 years. They get to the edge of promise and listen at, two, at 10 people's bad report. They turn around and they leave. I couldn't imagine that. I'm also impatient. I think for me that would just drive me absolutely crazy to think that they could do that. But after 400 years of waiting, they spend another 40 years. Why? Because of people's bad reports. And people's bad reports cause some things to happen. Listen, today I want to look at the children of Israel and, and I want to tell you and me that the children of Israel always reflect us. In this situation, they do. It's a passage of scripture I've preached on before. But over these last couple of weeks, God gave me just such a fresh revelation of how we can live in our lives and then how to rebuild as we come out of the reality of what God digs through in this area of our life. The first thing if we read, Numbers chapter 13, verse 31 through to 33, and we're going to look at these things for a few moments. It says, And the men who had gone up with him said, We're not able to go against these people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in that are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak. They came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Listen, the first thing I see in this, and it's the first layer of challenging the children of Israel, is they didn't go in the promised land because they were in a place of excuse living. Here's their excuse. Listen, we can't go in because there's giants there. We can't go in because the people there are fortified and strong. It's excuse living in their life. I start thinking of these guys and I start thinking of the excuses they make. Some of these excuses have some validity. There's giants in that place. That's an excuse that seems very valid. But it's an excuse living picture that is a picture for our own lives. My message today is entitled Destiny Detour. And I tell you what, the greatest detour to all of our destinies is the excuses why we can't go there. Why in 2024 I can't do what God's called me to do? Why 2023 still has hold on my new year? 
why 2022 has hold on my new year? Why 2021 has hold on my new year? Why the generations past has hold on my new year? Why what my family did has hold on what God has got for my life? It's excuse living. Many of us in that. Many of us are challenged by that. And if you sit in this room and you ask the question, Tim, do I live an excuse living? I want to just throw out some questions. Listen, that are internally answered today. Please don't throw out your answers in this room. The the questions that we need to ask, are we in there? The questions are things like this. Why do we make excuses? Why, Why today, if you're not walking into the fullness of your destiny, are you making excuses for where God is leading you? It's the first way to actually ask yourself, am I making excuses? Why do we do this? Why are the things... Straight away, I'm sure you can think of a whole bunch of reasons that we're stopped. We could make reasons like, I don't have the finances I want right now. I don't have the job I want right now. I don't have the situations laying out for me the way that I dreamed they would always lay out for me. I don't have the things working for me the way that I want them to. Maybe we ask questions like this. Why don't I want to walk fully in God's destiny for my life? Listen. God has great destiny for all of us in this room. And so often we detour around the destiny that God has for us. Maybe we ask ourselves questions like this. Why is my first response no? If you're wondering whether or not you live in excuses, have a look at your first response when there's a great opportunity from God laying ahead of you. I want to be honest, I really hate it when people say no to me. I hate it when I come to Pastor Steve and I say, Pastor Steve, can we do this thing? And his answer is no because of this and this and this and this. There's something about that that just irritates me so badly. Now, it's not Pastor Steve. He's just actually giving me the facts. I don't like the facts in many situations. Sometimes I think Pastor Steve sees reality more than he should. But I hate it when someone says no straight up. I love it when we live in possibilities. I love it when I say, Pastor Steve, can we do this? He says, no, but I'm going to find a way we can do that. I'm going to look at a way that we can outwork that. That's what I love about Pastor Steve. And he does that all the time. It's a wonderful thing. How do we respond? When God comes and brings a picture for your 2024 and my first response is, no, 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 I can't do that. If, if you want to know if excuse living is something around your life, we need to start to look at the no's that lay before us, not the yeses. What are the no's that are stopping us from the fullness that God has for us? Listen, remember, my message today is entitled, Detour Destiny. Uh, what is the detours that are stopping us from walking in our destinies? The first detour is the excuses of the no's. The children of Israel had the excuse of there's giants, had the excuse of there's tough situations, had the excuse of I don't think we can win these battles. And that led to the next thing, the next level that I want to dig into, it's the living in fear. Listen, it's always fear that causes excuses to come into our life. It's always fear about destiny. I want to be really clear. If you're going to come to the fullness that God has created for you, there will be a place of fear in that. 
Because there's always a place of fear when we start stepping into faith. Because we always have that first response, whoa, whoa. Because it's faith. It says, whoa, this is too much for me. God, you need to be at work in my destiny. God, you need to be at work in my future. God, you need to be at work in the greatness that you have for me. But if fear speaks too loud, excuses start to come. And when we start to dig into our life, we realize fear is speaking to us too much. Again, listen, sometimes fear does happen in our lives. There are all moments where we have fear, and that's okay. It's just our response to that fear. It's our response. Last night, I was just about to hop in bed, and Rahanji rings me. Now, if you didn't know this, Rahanji lives at our house, and he's three bedrooms away from Wendy and I's bedroom, and she's ringing me on the phone. I knew straight away that what this means. There's a spider somebody, somewhere. I'm like, what's going on, girl? She's like, there's a spider between my room and the bathroom, and I can't get to the bathroom. I'm just like, all right, let me come out, put on dressing gown, come out. And I do what every dad does. It's just squash it with your hand. Girl, you're right. You can go to the bathroom now. It's dead. Fear, that happens fear. Listen, if you're scared of spiders in the room, we're going to lay hands on you at the end of the service. Set you free from that spider fear in Jesus' name. See you get a hold. Listen, there are moments of fear. And I'm not trying to say that we don't ever have moments of fear. It's just the response of fear. Listen, if we're going to have a response of fear that causes excuses and stops us from walking into the fullness of God, That fear needs to be broken off our lives. The children of Israel were stopped and detoured 40 years from destiny because fear came and it caused excuses to spring up in their life. Ten people's fear changed the whole way that everybody walked, changed the whole way that a nation thought. Think of that for a moment. Ten people's fear changed the whole way a nation looks. Listen. Fear is an incredible thing in our generation. Two days ago, I was just looking at the news and a news report come out saying this. Queensland is having another cyclone. Queensland is having a heat wave. Great news, great headlines. But let me just say this. White man's been here and recorded for over 200 years And you know what happened in summer in Queensland for over 200 years? Hot cyclones. Is there any new news in that? If you're just brand new to Queensland, storms, rain, humidity, heat, and cyclones, welcome to Queensland. That's what's happened. You know what? It hasn't changed. In fact, you know, the poets wrote many years ago that we have all of these droughts, We have floods and sweeping plains. That hasn't changed for hundreds and hundreds of years. Before that, the indigenous population was here. You know what happened when they were here? Floods, heat, cyclones. It's news. Why news? Fear sells. Fear sells. Fear sells. People love fear. Let me ask a question. If you're... Walking in fear, again, this is an internal question answered. If you're walking in fear, do you love that news that you see that just drives that fear air of your life? Is it something you love just reading and just dwelling on? 
just being a part of. Let me ask a question. Are you one of those people that just love the negative reports? Listen, it's not just news. Sometimes it's the negative reports that people just love to tell negative stories about bad things that are going on. Let, let me just ask a question. Are you one of those people that when somebody walks into the room and starts telling a story about something bad that you just love to lean into that story and just eat it up? Oh, that person did that. They did that thing. How dare they do that? Oh, they're evil people. That doesn't sound anything like the person I've known for 25 years, but how dare that evil person do that thing? That story you're telling me must be right. I'm eating that story. Listen, if you're like that, this is a little side note. Maybe it's just something you need to lay before God right now and just repent of this morning. And I'll lay hands on that with the spider prayer in Jesus' name. Those reports. We just love to eat them up. We love the evil reports. We love the bad reports. And those bad reports can just spring fear into us. Oh, global financial crisis is coming around the corner. Oh, the challenge of weather's coming here. Oh, this situation's going bad. We eat it up. We live in fear. And it builds excuses why we don't live the fullness that God has for us in our life. We've got to make sure we be real careful of the reality of those things. What are we, what are we allowing to speak into our lives in those situations? Because the first level is that excuse. It's made because of fear thinking. But what is it that forms that really well? If we go further and we read in verse 33, these guys begin to make a powerful statement. They say this, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. What, what, what do we see here? If we start digging another level, we start to see people that have a completely wrong image of themselves. Listen, if we're digging here today, we're digging right now through just excuses that we make that are formed because of fear. And we dig a bit deeper, formed because we just have the wrong image of what God has created in our lives and in who we are. I, I realize we're getting close to the root problem here today. I get, we, we're starting to dig deep because when we dig into this level, it hurts. I want to be clear, if our, if our picture of ourselves is wrong, it always hurts to dig right here. It hurts to dig in this level. It hurts to dig into a picture that says that I'm a grasshopper. It says that I'm smaller than everyone else. It says I'm smaller than what God has created me to be. The Israelites had this picture of themselves compared to the, the ones that God had just said, that, that is your promised land. Compared to that place of destiny, their picture was a picture of smallness. It was a picture of brokenness. It was a picture that just said, I can't inherit everything that God has for me. And it was a picture that led to a significant detour in the fullness that God had for them. It led a whole generation to miss out on the fullness of God. Listen, that picture was formed from a lot of reasons. And our pictures are. Our pictures are formed so often from a wrong way of thinking and the wrong way of believing. Formed from the wrong way that our eyes are shaped around our lives. I, I remember a story told to me many, many years ago. It was a statement around Michael Jordan at the time, but for the young people in the room, we'll go with LeBron James. Imagine if Michael Jordan or Le LeBron James, for all those who don't know who Michael Jordan is, grew up looking in a mirror that gave him not a normal shape of his life, but a short, wide shape. Listen, I never really thought much of mirrors in my life until recently I took Rahanji shopping for a mirror in her room. 
listen, we went out and bought mirrors and we went and looked at mirrors. The first thing she did was look at how she looks in the mirror. I thought we'd look at how the mirror looks and see how it looks in my room. Those things don't matter. It could be a bright fluoro orange, but how I look in the mirror is what important. I've got a quote. Can we please put it up? I, I love putting up quotes. This is a Rahanji quote right now. Yeah, I have to make sure I like what I see. All mirrors are different. Some mirrors are too honest. If you're mirror shopping people, you got to look in the mirror. How the outside looks doesn't matter. How I look in the mirror is what matters. Imagine if LeBron James grows up looking in the mirror and he thinks he's four foot tall. I see people taking photo of that quote. Rahanji, that's going to be online soon. Imagine if he grew up thinking he was four foot. Imagine if he grew up not realizing the power of who he could be. The power of who he could be as an NBA star and the difference he could make in the game and what he could outwork in his life. Listen, the mirrors of our life shape who we are, the reflections of what we see, the reflections of what culture talks to me about, the, the reflections of, of how our parents speak to us sometimes when they shouldn't be saying what they say, but they speak to us, the, the reflections of, of how community speaks to us about our lives and about who we are. Yes, it's these things that form the pictures of who we are. Listen, those pictures wrong form areas of fear. Those pictures wrong form areas of fear, which cause excuses that stop us walking in the fullness of our destiny. It took these people 40 years of detour to change the whole way culture had shaped their thinking and shaped their believing. This wrong images of our life does the same to us. What are the wrong images that are outworked in our life? Listen, the wrong images like fear, like excuses, are only symptoms of what the real problem is in our lives. There's a deeper problem. And it's another image issue, but it's the problem of the image of who God is. Numbers chapter 14, verse 2 and 3. All the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt. If only we had died in the wilderness. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword. Listen to the words. Why has the Lord brought us to the land to fall by the sword? That our wives and our children should become victims. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? In verse 11 it says, And the Lord said to Moses, How long will these people reject me? How long will they not believe me with all the signs that I have performed amongst them? The children of Israel have had miracle after miracle. They have been taken out of slavery. They have had the sea open for them and closed behind, shutting off their past. They've walked through wilderness, been fed with manna, been fed by quails. A rock has followed them and given them water to drink. And now they stand on the edge of the promise of God of 400 years. And we dig a little deeper. And their statement is, why has God destroyed us like this? Now, again, internal question. When we go through a big challenge, when we go through a place of hardship and we're absolutely hurting, who's the first person we blame? And we say, God, why have you done this to me? Listen, honestly, all of us have done this somewhere in our life. 
all of us have had this moment in our life. But if we were to make a statement like that, we miss the greatness of who God is. And when we're digging deeper, this is at the core of all of it in our life. This great God, this wonderful God, this incredible God, that incredibly, we sometimes see Him so wrong. And we see Him wrong for many of reasons. We see Him wrong because sometimes the authority people in our lives have shined these pictures that we take and we imprint on God. Now in this room, I'm sure there are people here that's fathers have treated you terribly and you take the imprint of this father and you put it on the imprint of Father God and we get the wrong picture of who He is. Maybe it's other people of authority that have hurt you and caused pain to you. And again, we come to God and we find Him and we take the imprint of that pain and we imprint it on God. Maybe it's the imprint of your culture. You come to Christ and you've grown up in culture and you just drag your culture with you. I just read a crazy statement recently of of the, the Parliament of Scotland. The McDonald's are from Scotland. We've been in Australia for over 200 years, but the McDonald's are from Scotland. And the Scottish Parliament has invited the Druids, who are the, the pagan people that used to worship pagan gods before Christianity came to Scotland 600 years ago. They've invited the Druids to speak now to the Scottish Parliament and talk to them about paganism that was back at the foundation of what Scotland was. Listen, that paganism was sacrificing your children, was filthy demon worship and brokenness. And the Scottish Parliament are inviting that rubbish and brokenness back into what has been a Christian nation for hundreds and hundreds of years. Listen, we can do that. We can invite our culture into Christ. Now, I I, I don't want to speak against culture But I want to be really clear. When Paul said we come to Christ, in Colossians, he says we're neither Greek nor Jew, barbarian, Syntherian. We are all one in Christ. We come into Christ. And in coming into Christ, I am grateful that my family has left that paganism behind hundreds of years ago and come into Christ. That paganism just caused death to my people and death to my family. And Christ is the one that my eyes turn to. Christ is where our eyes need to be. Listen, if we don't, we just bring these wrong, false images of who God is to our lives. There are so many things that form this, and we miss the power of the Almighty God and who He is. That's why Paul writes to the Romans church. He says this, Be not conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to the culture of this world, but be transformed By the renewing of your mind, the renewing of your believing, the renewing of your thinking. Because in it we have a reality of who God is. And when we have a reality of who God is, then we can truly form who we are. And when we truly form who we are, then fear is broken off our lives. And when fear is broken off our lives, we walk free of excuses into the destiny God has for our lives. When we dig deep, we come to the reality of who God is. And listen, today, church, I want to start from this point when we rebuild our lives. Who is God to us? Prasath Jonathan uh, Jonathan said this, God's purpose is to restore His people to their true nature. The image they were created in. The purpose of Christ's coming was to redeem mankind, to bring back the image of God that was lost 
in the Garden of Eden to bring it back to our lives, the fullness of God. Job chapter 19. Listen, the book of Job is one of the earliest writings that we have. And if you don't know the story of Job, it's a man that just was just so loved God, followed God with the fullness of who he was, just engaging with God powerfully. And the devil comes and he, and he says, I want to just rob from Job. And God just says, hey, 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 this is the guy that loves me. He says, yeah, he only loves you because you're a blessing. And, then God, and the devil steals the blessing. He still loves God. Then the devil steals his health. He still loves God. The devil steals everything that he has. He still loves God. In the middle of this book of Job, in Job chapter 19, he makes his statement. He says, I know that my Redeemer, He lives. And that in the end, He will stand on the earth. In this revelation, the earliest writing revelation of God, we have the revelation of a Redeemer. If you don't know what a Redeemer is, it's one that goes and buys back what was already His. He goes and redeems what he already had. Listen, our God is the great Redeemer. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus Christ, He is the great Redeemer of your life. He's redeemed you back. You're already His. He was the one that created you. He is the one that's loved you from the beginning. He's the one that shaped you, formed you, put you together. And He has redeemed you in Jesus Christ. He's bought you back at a price. You may be in this room and say, Pastor Tim, I'm a mess. I'm full of sin. I'm full of brokenness. I want to tell you today the promise of redemption is He brought you back in spite of your mess. He brought you back. He's paid the price for your life. And at the end of this service, there will be a moment we would love to pray for you. He is the great Redeemer. And He lives. And He makes a statement that He will stand on this earth in the end. He was prophesying of the reality that Jesus Christ would walk upon this earth. Our great Redeemer, our great Redeemer that is in Jesus Christ. And when, we, when there was prophesied of Jesus, it was prophesied of Emmanuel, God with us. Listen, we don't serve a distant God far off that we have to shout to. We serve a great God that walked on this earth as Jesus Christ and is here today moving in the power of His Holy Spirit around my heart, your heart, and your life today. Psalm 19, verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, let me think on and dream on these great truths for my life. Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Here the psalmist builds on this thought of Job, this Redeemer that brought me back, but he didn't buy me back to stay in weakness. Listen, if you're in this room and you tell me, Tim, I'm a slave to mess, I'm a slave to brokenness, I want to tell you, Jesus didn't release His grace just to save you and just the fact that you scrape into heaven. Jesus released His grace over your life that you can be free from sin, free from bondage, free from those errors of your life. Listen, two weeks ago, we anointed people in this room. We anointed you for a year of freedom and life. Freedom. Because He is not just your Redeemer, He is your strength. If you're in this room this morning, you feel weak. Before you leave, get on your knees and say, God, be my strength. Be the strength of my life. Not just my great Redeemer, but be my Redeemer and be my strength. Through the power of His Holy Spirit. We surrender to it. Holy Spirit, bring your power to my life. Be the strength of my life. Be the strength of who I am. Isaiah 54 builds again on this thought in verse 5. And he says, for, your, 
for your creator will be your husband. The Lord of heaven's armies is his name. He is your redeemer, the holy one of Israel, the God of all the earth. Listen, I I could go on and on and on today, giving you a revelation of who God is through His Word. I don't have the time. One thing I do have the time to tell you to do is spend your life in His Word. Let His Word bring revelation to who you are, revelation to your life, because in it is the reality of who Jesus is. He says in verse 5, He says, For your Creator. Listen, 21st century humanists have done everything they can to rob us of a Creator to tell us we've just evolved our way through, that we've just evolved meaninglessly to turn into who we are, trying to rob the Creator. Listen, if you're happy to have your Creator robbed, you will never know your own image because you don't know the image of who you've been shaped in. If you feel like you're the image of possibly an ape, a poo-flicking, promiscuous, purposeless being, you're going to live that way flicking poo on the world around you, living purposeless in brokenness and death. I want to tell you today that here, Isaiah, I didn't want to say the real word, that's just, Isaiah 54, 5, for your creator. Listen, if you want to start to understand yourself, start to understand your creator, the one that shaped you, formed you, put you together, will be your husband. What a statement. Why a husband? Listen, a husband is meant to be, in the understanding of humans, the closest intimate relationship you have. This woman sitting down the front, my wife, can you come and stand next to me for a second? She dressed like me. I left first this morning. She knew what I was wearing, by the way. (laughs) Who did it better? She did. She did. In this is the fullness and the deepest picture of an intimate relationship. She understands everything about me. I understand nothing about her. She's a woman. No, no, that's not true. I understand a lot about her. A lot. She's trained me well for 27 years. Listen, this is the closest of any person in my life. This is why he says husband here. He's trying to give us a picture that with God, we would have that depth of intimate relationship. That intimacy is not about physical intimacy. It's intimacy of heart, intimacy of understanding, intimacy of growing in the depth of that. And if you're in this room and you're married, the deepest thing you can do is bringing oneness to your marriage. The two shall become one. It's not about the, the, the act of, of physical, sexual intimacy. It's the coming together of a heart and a life and of values, and vision, and purpose, and who we are. And it's the same with our image with God. He's our creator, but we come into an intimate relationship with Jesus. We don't just pray to Him at the start of the year, God, make this year better than next year, and forget about it the rest of the year. We don't just come to Him when everything sucks, and go, God, fix everything that I've wrecked over the last little while of doing life by myself, and and just ignoring You, and the Holy Spirit's prompting, and now fix it. That's not what He's saying. He's saying that we come into husband, wife, depth of unity of relationship and we get knit together with our creator with our redeemer with our strength thank you my dear wife it was leg day yesterday sorry the lord of heaven's armies is his name that's where his strength lies he is our redeemer the holy one of israel you know we serve a holy god The world we live in isn't a holy world. 
The world we live in is filled with brokenness and despair and the culture of this world is filled with mess and just so much destruction. But we serve a holy God that calls us to holiness, brings us to holiness, brings us to that in His life as we're shaped into the image of a holy God who is the Holy One of Israel, and I want you to note this, the God of all the earth. If you look at that word, it's Elohim of all peoples. Elohim of all peoples. Listen, God isn't just a Jewish God. God isn't certainly just a white God. In fact, it was the white folks that Jesus came to last, in case you're wondering. Because they're dumb and silly and they just missed out on all of that. They come everywhere else first. It was the white folks that caught it last. It's not a Jewish God. He's not a white folks God. He's not a, he is Elohim of all the peoples. You sit in this room, if you're a people, a human being, He is for you. Jesus loves you. He created you. He formed you. This is the God we serve. This is the God we serve. He's Elohim of all the people. He wants to be intimate and close and knit with us. He wants us to shape us and form us. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 and 16. For many as led by the Spirit of God, these become the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Listen, when we come to God, we are now become children of God. We are now formed into His image. We are now shaped by God. We are adopted into Christ. Because He made you. Max Lucado said this, You are the only you that God made. God made you and in that He broke the mold. I'm grateful when I look around this room, there's only like one of a couple of us. I'm grateful there's only one of me. I'm hard work sometimes. Only one of us shaped, formed in the image of God. When King David had his revelation of this in Psalm 139, we get some of the most powerful life-changing scriptures in the world. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and my soul knows so very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were written all the days that you fashioned for me. As yet, there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts for me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Listen, if our image of God's wrong, we don't see the great image of what He's created us to be. I look across this room and I see when God wants to dig, He wants to dig to the depth of us knowing fully who He is. And in it, we start to know fully who He's created to be fully who He's shaped us to be, fully who He's formed us to be, fully who He's purposed us to be, fully who He's desired us to be. This is the depth of what we find when we find Him. And then we start to see us beautifully shaped into the image of God. And out of that, we realize that when He shaped us, He didn't give us the spirit of fear, Paul wrote to Timothy in Timothy chapter 2, but a power and of love 
and a sound mind because in us he put his Holy Spirit. In us he's filled with, with his spirit, this great spirit of God, a power of love and a sound mind, not a spirit of fear. We realize he created us to do something great. He created us to live life and life abundant. Yes, we're going to go through challenges because we live on a broken planet. Yes, we're going to go through issues because we live in a planet where there are issues. But there we, we, we have a great God who's walking with us through it all. We have a great God who's created us and formed us and shaped us into His image. He's redeemed us out of that brokenness. He's redeemed us out of those curses. He's redeemed us out of those family curses. He redeemed us out of those traditions of the world that try and knit to us. He redeemed us into a place of life and peace and hope and strength, and the goodness of God. And in it, He gives us the right image to look at, the right mirror. It's a mirror of the holy, righteous God that's in love with His humanity, that has redeemed His humanity, that is calling His humanity to righteousness and holiness, and to shape us every single day into the image of His Son, free of fear, free of excuses, free of our detours and running into the destiny God has created for us. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we wrap up here this morning. Holy Spirit of God, we thank you. Thank you for your great word. That word that every day shapes us and molds us and creates the right images around our life into the fullness of who you've created us to be. God, we thank you for that great word. We thank you for what it speaks to us, how it knits us and how it forms us. God, I thank you for your word today. God, your word, the, the Bible says, is able to just discern and cut between that soul and the spirit and begin to break out of the mess that's tried to so easily and wrap around us. God, I pray for those this morning that maybe don't know you. That here in this moment, God, they could open their hearts and their lives to you. God, I pray that here in this moment, you're calling people to yourself. You're calling people back to you, back to your promise, back to the truth that's in Christ. Back into the reality of Jesus. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed here in this moment. If you're here this morning, I talked about this earlier. You don't know Christ, you're not walking with Him. Maybe in the past, you've walked with Christ and you've just walked away. Maybe you've never known Jesus. Maybe you've never walked with Him. Here this morning, I want to give an opportunity. If you're like that this morning, you're saying, Tim, my life, Pastor Tim, I would love to just walk with Jesus. I would love to come into a relationship with Him. I want to ask you this morning, just give me a wave and say, yeah, I'm like that today. I want to walk with Jesus in the middle. That's great. You can put that hand down up the back. Wonderful decision. Thank you over there. Up the back, you can put that hand down. Who else this morning? Pastor Tim, can you pray for me? I just want to come back into that relationship with Christ. Get that image back right in my life. Anyone join those three this morning before I pray? Awesome, mate, in the middle. Awesome there on the side. Awesome there in the middle. Jesus, we pray right now. God, you've seen those hands this morning. This moment right now is a moment of great power in life. God, as those hands have lifted, hearts have opened, 
lives have opened to you. Jesus, here in this moment, I pray you meet with every single one of those people. My God, you bring your Holy Spirit into those lives today. You wash, you renew, you restore. You bring life afresh. My God, into those men and those women here in this room that have opened their lives to you now. Holy Spirit, come and flood them. Flood them with your grace. Flood them with your hope. Flood them with peace today. Flood them with the goodness of God. I pray you wash away yesterday's failures. You wash away yesterday's challenge. My God, and you bring life to them. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for this moment here and now. As those lies open to you. Come, Holy Spirit. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.